righty, it is good to be here. I grew up in Pennsylvania until I was 12, and I love Pennsylvania, but I was on the other side. I was near, uh, near uh, Philadelphia, just south of Reading, and so, uh, but uh, this side of the state is beautiful too. So you just don't have the cheesesteaks like, uh, like I remember, right? You know, but uh, hey, it's great to be with you. We had a great day yesterday of training with, uh, with a bunch of individuals who came just kind of asking the question, how do we care like Christ? How, does it, how do you uh, be a church that makes a difference in your community in the way that you care for people, in the way that you care for the hurting, in the way that you walk alongside people who are struggling? There's such a strategic opportunity now for churches that will take the opportunity to care. It will be there when people need, uh, in, in their time of need. And so um, it, it was a great day of training, and, and I know we're talking about doing some ongoing training, and so you'll be hearing more about that. But uh, thank you for those of you who participated in that, and um, some of you may be interested in participating in that in the future. But I want to talk to you this morning about an important topic. And the important topic is, uh, what impact does it make? What difference does it make? if you have wise friends. Because here's what I find. As we go through life, we all need wise friends. Every church needs to be a place where wise friends make an impact in each other's lives. You think about recently the president of Ukraine, and he stood before our leadership of the the United States, and he, he reminded us of an important principle. He said, in times of war, you need people that have your back. He said, no country or no individual can withstand every attack. And no matter what you think of the war in Ukraine, the principle is undeniable. That without friends and without allies, you're susceptible to attack. And there's a spiritual lesson in this moment that we shouldn't overlook. And you consider this moment in our larger culture. Over the past couple of years, many people lost track of their friends. And others went about living their social and spiritual life alone. They were disengaged from church or work or community or other activities and that were a source of connection and friendship for them. And unfortunately, in this moment, many people find themselves alone without friends around to support. Far too many engaged in self-destructive patterns and now find themselves in a place they would never be, thought they would be. And if we took a random survey of the community this morning, if we went out in Greenville and we started to interview people about their last uh, six months... How's life going? What will we find? You may find a husband who's left it all for the greener pastures of adultery. You find a young man who's, who's in a good job, but he suddenly crashes and burns because an addiction takes over and takes control of his life. You'd find a grieving widow who lost their spouse far too soon. You'd find a young person who cracked under the pressure of... of uh, all that they face during COVID, and they've been overtaken by anxiety or an eating disorder. You might find a wife with physical or emotional bruises, wishing she had someone to support her in what seems like a helpless situation trying to save her family. And if you want a glimpse into what happens in you know, the 8,000 counseling sessions that happened at Biblical Counseling Center in the Chicago area last year, it's issues like these. People walking through the doors saying, I I need help, I need guidance. And there's so much pain and there's so much difficulty all around us. And in in this community, it's the same. But we'd be naive to think that it's just happening out there, wouldn't we? 
It happens in here too. Like those aren't just the problems that are happening in the world, the struggles that, that people in the church are even facing. And um, we aren't just hurting out there. We're hurting inside the walls of this church too. And when you walk alongside those who are going through serious struggles in life, you realize there's a common denominator. That most of the time they're living a life that's isolated. They're disconnected from people with wisdom. They had no wise friends who, who knew the choices they were about to make. They were all alone. And in Proverbs, where we're going to look this morning for wisdom, we're going to find this. We're going to find that living apart from the input of wise friends is a dangerous place to be. Living without wise input, living without wise guidance, living without people who know you is a dangerous place to be. So, one of the questions that I get asked most often as a counselor is this. Or one of the questions I ask most often as a counselor. I ask people, what do your wise friends say that you should do? People come to me with an issue or difficulty, and I ask them the question, what do your wise friends say that you should do? Now, how do you suppose people answer that question? Well, some people, I get one of three responses typically. Some people look at me and they kind of have a smirk on their face or, or a little bit of confusion, and they're like, I have no idea who you're talking about. I, w- I wouldn't be paying for a counseling session right now if I had the wise friend in my life that I could talk to, right? Like, that's why I'm here, right? Like, I need some wisdom and guidance. Um, others tell me, well, my wise friends don't know. They've perhaps distanced themselves from their wise friends, or, or perhaps they grew up feeling like all your problems should be private, You don't talk to people about what you're going through. It's not appropriate to tell your friends about your pain. And so they keep everything private. They just keep it all on themselves. They don't talk about their problems. Well, the other response is, I don't agree with my wise friends. Some are looking for a counselor to give them the freedom to do what they want to do. They're hoping that I will agree that their idea is a good one. And and so here's the bottom line. Without wise friends, we're at a major disadvantage when it comes to making the right decisions in life. And God did not intend for us to go through life on our own without having the input of wise friends. And God created friendship as the solution to our loneliness and a necessary source of wisdom when we need it. In fact, God himself says he is a faithful friend to us in our time of need. But God doesn't instruct us to live our life without other wise friends. And through wise friendships, we experience the love and the wisdom of God, and we're motivated and safeguarded. So today, we're going to look at what Proverbs has to say. So if you've got your Bible, flip over to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18. We're going to look at what the author of Proverbs has to say about friendship. And all throughout Proverbs, there's wisdom given about various scenarios of life. And he's laying it out for us. He's saying, if you listen to wisdom, this is the result. If you listen to foolishness, this is the result. And we're going to ask this question about this church this morning. How can this church be a community where you can experience deep friendship? And so this message is both a call to be a friend and to have a friend. And so Proverbs lays out four reasons why we should make friendship a deep priority and one warning if we don't. So Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18 says this. Plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance. 
wage war. So Proverbs 20, verse 18 is, is vividly being played out across our world right now. Because before any country commits to a war, what do they have to do? They have to count the cost, right? You don't have to go back any more, further than 25 years in United States history to recognize if we don't have all the data, if we don't have all the facts correct, if we don't understand the scenario, what happens? Thousands of lives and billions of dollars are lost. Perhaps some would say wasted in futile efforts that can't be won. Thankfully, most of our decisions in life don't come down to life or death decisions, and, um, but we still have a major impact. They still have a major impact on the course of our life. Choosing to get married or stay married or end marriage all have significant consequences. An imbalance of work or substances or leisure, leisure time leads to major struggles that take time to reverse. When it comes to the major decisions of life, some people choose to go at it alone but they often will fail. Wise people seek the input and guidance before moving ahead. You think about this. As a counselor, why do people seek the help of a counselor? Well, they typically recognize the problem they want and they, they, they want guidance, they want to seek a solution. Many people think that talking to someone is a sign of weakness. But in reality, Proverbs says it's a sign of strength. It's a sign of strength to be humble enough to seek help. And to have the humility to know that you don't know everything you need to know in order to be successful in life. But who you seek counsel from matters. We need wise friends who can guide us. You think, think about this church. While, while you have a pastor and you have leaders, are, are they to do everything and make every decision? Are they the only ones who, who can give any input? The reality is what we, saw, what we heard in, in Romans this morning is that God has gifted every single one of you. He's given you a purpose to be in this church. For some of you, it may be served. For others, it's to teach. For others, it's to prophesy. For, for others, it's to exhort. For others, it, it may be to, to, uh, to clean or, or to use your hands in, in uh, tangible ways. For others, it may be your gift of generosity. But God gave you a gift. He gave you a purpose. He, he said you can make an impact. Now, why? Because churches thrive best when teams of people work together. Do you get that? When teams of people, when, when, when you use your gift, this church functions in a more healthy way. When you ignore others, the church misses your input. What about marriage? Well, marriage works best when both spouses work together. Well, why? It increases the chances of getting the right input. It increases the chances of getting the right data. A husband and wife need to listen to each other and listen to the, the gifts and concerns that God has given to each other. Children work best when they seek the input of their parents. All the parents said amen, right? Okay, like, like they, they need the input of their parents. Children aren't designed to go at it alone. Bosses work best when they seek the input of their employees. Well, why? Because it increases the chances of getting the answer right. And so the bottom line is Proverbs teaches us this, that we are fools when we go at major life decisions alone. Wise people seek the input of trusted friends. Flip over now to Proverbs 20, verse 29, or just go down a few verses, and we're going to see the second principle about wise friendships that matter in the way that we treat them. 
Proverbs 20, 29 reminds us that gray hair, that the gray hair of wisdom is just as valuable as the strength of one's youth. It says this, the glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Now, I'm not going to let you, I, I, I'm going to let you figure out whether you fit in the gray hair category this morning, okay? And uh, if you don't have any up top, you fit in the gray hair category too, okay? Uh, let me assure you. But uh, here, here's what he's saying. Proverbs is reminding us, the author of Proverbs is reminding us of this. He's saying, um, young men work harder, but old men work smarter, right? But there's, there's a certain wisdom that comes with life experience, that that gray hair uh, gives you a perspective on life because you've seen things, you, you've experienced things, like you, you have input that is helpful. And when it comes to friendships, we can benefit from the wisdom of different perspectives, whether that perspective is age, or whether it's somebody from a different, different ethnicity, or, or somebody from a different life experience. You think about this world right now of, of young people being, being bombarded with a world of influencers seeking to, to peddle shallow philosophies that, that appeal to young people and to the masses. But how much wisdom is really there? You think about wisdom from other ethnic origins or, or wisdom from other life stages or wisdom from those who've overcome trials. Think about how powerful it is for a single parent to hear from somebody who's been there. That God will sustain you through this. That God is faithful. Like I've lived that. Like when a single parent lives that reality out, they're able to minister in a unique way to another single parent. Some of you have been through divorce or you've been through family difficulty or troubles with a child. And you're able to say God is faithful. You're able to walk with people as they, as they take the next step. You think about some of you who've gone through cancer. And God's brought you through that and he's healed you. But you understand the pain and difficulty of getting that diagnosis and, and the, the uh, intrusiveness of life where, where you're dealing with medical issues one after another after another and uncertainty. The loss of a loved one or some of you who have overcome addiction. Now, here's the question. God has given you a story, but is your wisdom about life accessible to those who need it. Who are you sharing your story with? Who, who are you walking with from the previous younger generations? Some of you may be in your 20s and you're like, well, who would I walk with? And I, and I would tell you that there's some young people and some young children in this congregation who could use your input. Some of you are empty nesters now and there's young families that God could use. So some of you are in your later years and God could use you to make an impact on empty nesters. As you finish strong, God has given all of you a story and a background in history, and he uses it for good. Now, the question is, is this a church, a place where those with wisdom are accessible to those who need it? If you have gray hair and maturity, are you sharing it? Are you friends with young people who need your wisdom? And the bottom line is this, that wisdom increases our perspectives, Part of the reason I was I talked with the elder Scott about um, just what you're what, what you're planning to do here. He's got a burden that, that the older generation here be equipped to share your story. When you think about counseling, what is it? 
is speaking the truth in love over time. Like that, that you'd be equipped to be able to share your story, to speak the truth in love over time. You don't have to be a formal counselor with a couch in an office. In fact, I would tell you that that probably isn't even the best way to go about it. The best way to go about it is to invite people for a hamburger or coffee or sit on the front porch. Get, get, take an interest in people. Get to know them. Invite them into your life. And begin to share with them wisdom and perspective. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Flip over there and we're going to find reason number three. Reason number three. Proverbs thirteen twenty says this: Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. I remember as a teenager talking with my friend when he decided to see if the 140 miles per hour on a Volvo station wagon could really be reached in a Volvo station wagon, okay? We just had this, this nagging question, right? It says 140 on the Volvo, right? Like, can a Volvo station wagon really go 140? What do you think? Can a Volvo station wagon really go 140? Downhill? It can even do it on flat ground, okay? I tell you, a Volvo station wagon can actually get there. And, and um, now the truth is that uh, it's a dumb and dangerous stunt that a teenage boy would play, right, to try to see how fast a Volvo station wagon could go. And as I now have teenage boys who are learning how to drive, right, and going through driver's ed, right, this is not something that I want them to, uh, to emulate, right? Now, I was driving the other day. Uh, my son to work. He works at Chick-fil-A, and so we were driving to work, and we... we, we we're driving down a normal road, and we pull up next to uh, at a stop sign or a stoplight, and there's a white cross there. And I had to Google kind of like, what happened? And here it was. It was an 18-year-old, right, driving too fast. Got into an accident at that intersection, and I don't know all the details, but it, it reminded me, and it reminded me to talk with him that in our pride, we can think ourselves immune from dumb choices, Right? We, we, we can think that, that it wouldn't happen to us, but that mindset itself is on shaky ground. If we don't walk with, with wise friends, we will too often fall. Let me give you another example. I was recently talking with a Christian college graduate from a well-known college here in the Midwest, and after a stressful week, he, he devised a plan to, to go home on a, on a Friday afternoon. He had signed a multi-million dollar business deal that week that was going to change the trajectory of his career. He was going to get promoted. He was going to have far greater commissions and wealth as a result of getting this new contract that he had worked so hard for. And so on a Friday afternoon, he, he blew off work a little bit early, and um, he sat on the back deck, and he poured a drink, and then it became two, become three, became four, and um, you know, by the time that his wife got home at five o'clock, he was passed out on the bed. And she took the kids and took them out to eat for the dinner, dinner for the night. And, um, you know, he, he was embarrassed. He's just like, this isn't the way that I want to be. And he was from a good Christian, solid church. He was an executive at his company. He was certainly smart enough. He, he was active in a good church. But truthfully, he had no wise friends that he talked to on a regular basis. 
And I think all of us would think golfing or fishing or hunting would be a better way to blow off steam on a Friday afternoon, right? Go taking a ball game. But he came to my office wondering, like, how do I, how can I better deal with my stressors? And, and you know, and we were able to talk that through and kind of help him understand a little bit of the way that he'd been processing stress and, and, and what he needed to do differently in the future. Now, I want you to consider a few other scenarios here. I want you to think about the young person who might sit in your living room thinking that, that she can tame her hothead boyfriend if she just gets married to him. And instinctively, whenever I give that example, I can tell you I can look out in the audience and I can see women shake their head like this. They probably don't even know they're doing it. But they're like, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work that somehow you marry your hothead boyfriend and somehow he gets less angry and less stressful. And that, that all of a sudden getting married is going to change him. It just doesn't work like that. You think about the friend who's constantly seeking to get a quick buck on get-rich-quick schemes from one thing to the next. The next thing's going to make it. The next thing's going to make it. And the reality is that they keep getting sucked in over and over again. Or the young person who thinks they can go away to the college and, and party all the time and it won't affect them. They'll stop when they're 22. But the reality is at 22, it keeps going. Because they can't stop in the way that they thought they could stop. And, and Proverbs reminds us of an important principle. That wise friends protect us from danger. Wise friends speak the truth into our life. They, like, that we need wise friends or else we, we can isolate ourselves and look pretty foolish. Proverbs 18.24 gives the fourth principle. And it's this. Wise friends mature us. Wise friends mature us. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Get that? A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. While Jesus certainly can be a closer friend to us, in fact, he's a perfect friend, he modeled for us the encouragement of having earthly friends who walked with him. And Jesus was closest with a few while still living among the masses. Having a close friend who will walk with you through the trials of life is a huge asset. And Proverbs is reminding us to pursue friends where we are known deeply and we love deeply with an enduring commitment to stick it out. And truthfully, you're only going to have this kind of friendship if you choose to be this kind of friend. Because these kind of relationships are formed over years. When you have this type of friend, cherish it and grow it for their good and for yours. But it's interesting, he uses a word here. A man of many companions. What, what might we make the equivalent? I think about it this way. A man with many Instagram followers or Facebook friends may come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Like, it's a bunch of, somebody with a bunch of buddies, right? People who don't know them versus friends who know you, who stick closer than a brother. They're closer than your own family because of the investment that they poured into you. 
Now, this is a call to you to be that kind of friend to others, and it's also a call to pursue that kind of friendship. Now, I would tell you that kind of friendship is rare. That kind of friendship is not common. It's not easy. But God calls us and says, prioritize friendships. Well, why? It's the friend who speaks for God into our life. It's the one who represents Christ when we're going through trials. It's the one who reminds us of the need for the cross. It's the one who who reminds us of the good news of the gospel when we're down. It's the friend who corrects us when, when we're thinking incorrectly. It's the friend who pushes into our stubbornness and says, get going again. Like, come back to a vibrant walk with God. Facebook friends are not enough. Instagram followers are not enough. Friends that are closer than a brother. And Proverbs is telling us that we need the impact of wise friends. In Proverbs 18.1, he summarizes it this way. He says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. He says this, basically, living in isolation... Living without friendships will eventually make you look foolish. And he lays it out for you. He says, you have a choice. Will you embrace the wisdom of pursuing wise friendships? Or will you choose to live and deal with all your problems by yourself? Notice he doesn't say that there's ever the person who just doesn't have any problems. That person's self-deceived. We all have problems. We all have struggles. The question is whether we go to battle with our friends or whether we go to battle by ourselves. And God, God reminds us in Proverbs. He said, you can't win battles very effectively by yourself. You need the input and friendships of others. So what do we do about this? I would just tell you this, that healthy friendships are a priority of any healthy disciple in any healthy church. Do you get that? Healthy friendships are a priority of any healthy disciple and any healthy church. That God calls this to be more than just a friendly church. He calls this to be a church of friends. He calls in the way that you are friends with one another, in the way that you love one another, you shine as a light for Greenville and the area around here. You shine in this county as a place where people can can be known and loved and accepted. And, you you know, your your leaders talk to you about being a place committed to life-changing community. And and some of you, they're even talking to you about being trained in in how to have effective conversations. And some of you might ask, well, well, why would I even do what what Scott's talking about? Or why would I even, you know, be part of this? And And I have to tell you, God wants some of you to learn how to share your story through friendships to make an impact. And he wants you to share your story with wisdom, learning how to walk alongside people and help them in their time of need. And ultimately, that's what discipleship is about. That's what biblical counseling is about, if you've heard that term. Like, it is about walking with people in their time of need. So how can this church be a place where wise friendships are found and kept and thrive? Think about that question. How can this church be a place where wise friendships are found, they're kept, and they, thri- and they thrive? Again, I'm going to give us five more words from, from the book of Proverbs. The first one is in Proverbs 17, verse 1. Proverbs 17, verse 1. It 
saying, better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. It's interesting. He's saying, I'd rather have a plate full of saltine crackers than a gourmet meal if, if my house could be a place where peace and quiet exists. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? I'd rather eat dry crackers than a gourmet meal if I can have peace. And, and, and I would tell you that in church, it's hard to, to be a place where, where we maintain friendships, where there's peace. But, but God calls us, both in our families and our church, to be a place that's friendly. So I'm not going to look out this morning and try to determine who looks grumpy, okay? So everybody smile at me real quick, okay? Everybody, right? I need everyone to smile, right? But, but I'm saying, like, we have good news when we walk into church in the morning. We have good news in our everyday life. The God of the universe cares deeply about us and our problems and our struggles. And the God of the universe loves you. And, and it should make us friendly. It should make us willing to, to engage and spread that truth and joy with others. Take joy in that. Go down a few verses to Proverbs 17.9. You'll see a second word that... that um, Second concept, he says, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends, choosing to be forgiving, choosing to be forgiving. He's saying there's no lasting friendships without forgiveness. Do you know that you will never forgive others more than God has forgiven you? You can never out-forgive God. And God chooses God chooses to forgive us in his loving kindness. And in the same way, if you're going to have friendships that last, you're going to have to choose to be forgiving. You're going to have to take a risk and forgive. But God calls us to be forgiving in our home, in our marriage, in our family. Proverbs 27.6, he gives us another word here. Proverbs 27.6, he gives us another word and concept say this, choose to be frank. Here's what I mean by this. I think this passage illustrates this well. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. It's interesting here. He's saying a friend wounds us, but, a, but an enemy kisses us. Now, wouldn't we kind of like it to be the opposite? Our friends kiss us and our enemies wound us. Right? That would seem to be a little more logical, right? But, but he, he's driving at a point here. He's saying, do your friends have the opportunity to tell you the truth? Are you willing to hear it? And being frank is just the ability to, to, to talk with people without fear of walking on eggshells around each other. Like, do people have the opportunity to tell you the truth? And, and, and are you bold enough to tell others the truth? Because we're reminded to speak the truth in love to one another. That, that if we're going to grow in life, we need to have the truth. It's about, taking a, it's about taking a risk and risking the relationship to speak truth and inviting people to be frank with you. Do your friends have immunity so that they can share with you the truth without fear of you getting upset with them? Do you invite those kind of friends into your life? 
God says we all benefit from that. Go down a few verses in, in chapter 10 here, or it, Proverbs 27, verse 10. He gives another word picture here. He says, do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. And I say this, choose to be family. Here's what he's saying. If you have family nearby, they would help. But sometimes we need more than friends. And you think about a culture here where we can move around and where young people may come to the community and they may leave, right? And people don't often stay in the same town for their whole life anymore. Now, you think about the opportunity for a church to make sure that no one is alone on Thanksgiving Day, to make sure that people have friends that they can connect with. And this applies to a transient culture where, where a church becomes more of a family to, to those who, are, who have families far away, and hospitality is more of a ministry than ever. You inviting people into your home, inviting people into your life, getting to know them. If you're in the older generation here, don't assume that the young people don't want to get to know you. Don't assume that at all. You might talk different languages and, you, and they, they stare at their phone too much. But I tell you, they'll put down their phone if you begin to have a good conversation with them. Because there's something different about that. Something different about people who, uh, who love them. That doesn't translate through a phone very well. Proverbs 17, 17, last one. Choose to be faithful. Choose to be faithful. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Friends will often come and go in your life. However, deep friendship takes a commitment over the long haul. And you can't always go to the next stage of life for the current people you have. But uh, he, he's holding up for us a principle, saying this friend loves at all times. And, and this brother's born for adversity. We, we need people in our life. We can't be independent when it comes to our spiritual life. That might work economically, but it doesn't work spiritually. And you and God will not be as strong as you and God and others. You need others to grow. So, if this church is going to be a church that cares really well, that cares like Christ, it begins with a choice to pursue discipleship relationship and wise discipleship conversations that engage with the struggles that God has allowed to come our way. And so here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to do two things. I want you to evaluate your friendships. I want you to ask the question, do I have wise friends? It requires humility to admit that we don't have all the answers and that we aren't, what we're doing isn't working very well. However, even though it's hard to pursue quality friendships, do you trust God that you need them? I want you to evaluate your friendships. Do you have wise friends in your life? The second is expand your friendships. Do, do, do others need your wisdom and support? For some of you, you know, you might, be, you might be listening to this with a bit of loneliness and a bit of longing. And, and I would tell you, re-engage some of your friendships. Pick up the phone and call. Hey, I'd love to get our coffee. Can we get together? 
There's people who, who aren't here this morning who wish that somebody would reach out to them, who wish that somebody would invite them back to church. Perhaps they watch online at times, but they're disconnected. And reach out, invite them back into the community, connect with them. And perhaps you feel like you, you've left your friends behind, or perhaps they're, they're sitting, a, sitting alone wondering the same thing. Life is too short to keep going at it alone. So two things I want you to do this morning. I want you to evaluate your friendships. Do you need to pursue wise friendships? And for some of you, I want you to expand your friendships. Who is God calling me to impact with my story? Who is God calling me to make a difference with, to be a friend to? So how can this church be a place where wise friendships are found and they're kept and they thrive? We all need wise friends. Do you have one and are you willing to be one? I hope this morning you're challenged to pursue both of those things. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful that you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. God, you are a friend who uh, gave your own life for us. You died on the cross for us. But God, you also modeled for us the importance of wise friendships and the encouragement that comes through that. God, help us to be people who care deeply about one another, who care to walk with one another through the trials and struggles of life so that we may become more fully mature, the people that you call us to be. God, use this time to that end this morning. In your name, amen.